Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Right, I'm live. I'm live. I'm on Facebook. I've got to be honest. I, um, Jackie, you'll back me up on this. I've been doing this for a while, and I have just logged in on um, Instagram. And at the top where it says the live thing, there's two other people, presumably that I follow, doing live things at seven o'clock on Tuesday. Now. You know, I am the OG, and uh, I suspect they are taking my um, my followers, you know, because uh, that might uh, account for the fact that it's just you and me, uh, you and me, Jackie, and Corinne has just joined, <laughs> you know, because uh, it used to be just me on a, on a Tuesday night, seven, I never saw that before. Now, two other people going live on a Tuesday at seven o'clock. I mean, they do say imitation is a sincerest form of flattery, so I'm going to take it in that vein that uh, due to the overwhelming success of the uh, Ask JJ Q&A, that uh, everybody and his uncle is out there doing likewise. Anyway, uh, if you are tuning in to this one, you are uh, with the the, um, the uh, person who started it all back in the day, and I've got some questions to be answering. If you have a question that you want answered, fire away. And... Um, ask you know you, you 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 know what's the worst could happen uh i'm gonna kick off with this if that's okay um this question says how soon after breast augmentation can you fly now what i normally say to this question is it depends why you're flying so if you have a breast augmentation and then something happens the next day that you've got to fly somewhere because there's a family emergency or something like that you can fly the next day there is nothing that's going to go off in the air um lounge that's going to sort of say oh she had surgery um and in fact people do this they fly they go to um you know overseas to have surgery and then they come back um shortly afterwards so that, that you can i wouldn't particularly recommend it for two reasons number one reason is that you will have a higher risk of dvt dvt are clots in your legs that can fly up into your lungs and their risk during immobility when you have surgery you're immobile and when you're on an airplane you're immobile so you're you're multiplying your risks if you have uh, if you travel in an airplane shortly after having surgery uh, so you're increasing your risk of dvt and that is what happened to usher's wife she traveled to um uh south america for some cosmetic surgery. Anyway, she got a DVT. So um, that is uh, one reason not to have surgery. And the other reason, uh, well, yeah, I suppose you could not have surgery. <laughs> you could not have surgery, but it, uh, what I'm saying is you should not fly. That's one reason why you should not fly. Um, and the other reason is that um, if you have a problem, so, you know, it takes a while for everything to settle, swelling, wound, blah de blah. You don't want to be going off to Marbella and have a problem in Marbella and say, look, my wound's a bit red. And we'll like, oh, have a look. We'll give you some antibiotics. And you're like, I'm in Marbella. So um, the 
so it's not advisable is the answer so the normal thing that i say is six weeks and i normally say it depends on what you're flying for if you're going on a holiday or things like that at six weeks you'll probably still be a bit sore you'll probably still be a bit swollen they probably won't look quite right so you know it won't be fully there so um it'll probably be you know three months before things start looking a bit more um uh, presentable so you know six weeks i would say is the kind of is the minimum for for a normal in normal circumstances but uh, as i say there's nothing to stop you flying at any time um uh depending on uh, you know but 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 six weeks is the advisable time now what we've got corinne you are the og thank you take it as a compliment i do it's a compliment i gave myself lorena is here u.s stateside yo spud me lorena um missing you terribly Lorena and we have got stories to tell you when you get back oh yes but for now I'm not going to say anything and I'm going to let you enjoy your holiday <laughs> but suffice to say everything's fine everything's fine Lorena don't worry it's all fine add you James price of lipo remove lipoma removal please uh add you depends on size can you send us a photo of it um to uh, give you an idea of price if you go to the website and you click on the requester price uh, you will get sent some information if you give me your email address i can send you some information i think i don't want to get this wrong so don't quote me on this view add you i think it starts does it larena know i think it starts at 800 i think it's definitely what it is for moles, but I don't know if that's for lipomas. Anyway, send us a photo, info at stianoplasticsurgery.co.uk. We'll have a look at it and give you a, a bit more of an accurate price. But uh, thank you for asking the question. Indeed. Do we have a liquid rhinoplasty? Liquid rhinoplasty. That sounds good, doesn't it? Liquid rhinoplasty. Um, no, I don't do rhinoplasty. And presumably, I'm presuming this, liquid rhinoplasty is kind of like fillers, uh, run, you know, changing the shape of the nose with fillers, which is a a uh, reasonable thing to do indeed but um no we don't do fillers and we don't do rhinoplasties put the two together what do you got we don't do liquid rhinoplasties that's what you got so um no but uh it does sound good i like the sound liquid rhinoplasty that's a, is that a term they're using now but uh if it is i like it um sam's in the house hi sam how are you nice to see you in a virtual way um uh, how about this? I had a breast reduction about a year ago, but unfortunately there were complications and I ended up losing my right nipple. Do we offer nipple reconstruction? Yeah, that's a pre... Uh, not my patient, by the way. No, not that. Nipple loss. I mean, nipple loss can happen to anyone. And uh, full disclosure, it has happened to me. It's many years since it's happened, but it has happened in my life. And uh, it is a complication of breast reduction. And indeed, mastopexy. It's never happened to me for a mastopexy, but it's has happened in a breast reduction. It's usually for a very large breast reduction when you're moving the nipple an awfully long way uh, because the blood supply of the nipple can be affected. So that's something that I do warn everybody uh, having surgery that that's a risk. And um, it's it's difficult to, to fix, I'll be honest with you. Normally, if you have a problem with um, nipple, um, the blood supply to the nipple, you have a little bit of, um, of depigmentation of the nipple in that it's paler than the normal um, areola skin. And normally uh, tattooing would be the way to go. And that would probably be my advice here. I haven't, I don't know this patient. I don't know what it looks like and what sort of degree of nipple loss there has been because there are degrees of nipple loss of uh, with breast reduction. So, um, uh, but having said that, even if it's total nipple, nipple loss, 
uh, uh, tattooing is is not an unreasonable road to go down. They can do these three D tattoos, so um, uh, to give to to give the effect of some projection in the middle of the areola to uh, uh, um, to make it look like a nipple. So I think tattooing is probably where I would be going. You can do nipple reconstruction, and I uh, used to do a lot of nipple reconstruction when I worked in breast reconstruction, which was after cancer. And uh, I was doing nipple reconstructions all the time because as part of um, a mastectomy, the nipples were often removed now. But that's a different story because when you've had a breast reduction, the nipple loss will be on a scarred bed. So it's a little bit more difficult to reconstruct the nipple on a on a scarred bed. And so the actual surgical reconstruction of a nipple is quite hard uh, if you lose your nipple after a breast reduction. Um, but... You know, one of those ones you can send us a photo and have a look. Um, but that is something that is a tricky one. It's a tricky one. It's kind of possible, but my go-to would be um, tattoo. Uh, well, so, hi there. Please, can I have some more information regarding any information you have on BII? Yes. So, hi, Webster. So, BII is breast implant illness. And breast implant illness is uh, something that is associated with breast implants. There's lots of different types of breast implants. It's pretty much all uh, breast implants. People talk about it being related to the silicone um, uh, and even um, uh, even uh, saline implants have got a silicone shell. So um, uh, it's uh, it's it's usually quite non-specific symptoms, things like brain fog, um, tiredness, uh, joint pains, hair loss, it's it's quite skin rashes. It's quite non-specific symptoms. There is no medical reason to say that breast implants cause these problems. So there is no medical reason that that links breast implants with with these symptoms. So it's very difficult when someone comes saying they've got breast implant illness because you can't guarantee that removing the implants will um, make them feel better. However, I have treated patients with breast implant illness and they are absolutely convinced the implants are causing the symptoms and you remove the implants and they feel better straight away. So it seems to be a thing. Uh, but at the moment, there's no medical link with uh, breast implants and these symptoms. I say at the moment, something might come up next week, next month, whatever. Um, is there any relation to polyurethane implants that may be the wrong material? Haha. <laughs> no, polyurethane is the right material. Um, there's no... I, yes, there is a relation to poly. There's a relation to all breast implants. I don't think any uh, type of implant is is um, um, what's the word implicated any more than any other type. So I don't think you get breast implant illness in more in polyurethane or more in silicone. I mean, polyurethane implants are silicone implants inside with a polyurethane foam coating um, on the outside. And um, so I think it's just the same. So yes, it is It is uh, in relation to polyurethane implants, but also uh, silicone implants, smooth implants, textured implants, micro-textured implants. So it's, um, it's it, there's no specific type of implant that is implicated more than another type. Um, so if you are kind of worried about it or feeling that it may not be a good idea, Dear, you know, you're worried about getting breast implant illness. I think the the advice would probably be don't have breast implants. I don't think there's any breast implant that is going to give you a lower risk of getting breast implant illness um, than another one. Having said that, it is 
not as common as you might think. If you look out for it, if you look on the internet, you'll find these huge groups of women who have been affected by it. Honestly, I have not seen, I've never seen it in any of my patients. I have treated patients with it who've had surgery elsewhere. So it's it's actually not that, I'm not saying there's anything different about how I do it. I don't think it's related to the surgery, but it just means it's perhaps not as common as you might think if you go looking for it and you'll find huge numbers of women who are um, who describe it. But then you have to remember there are also huge numbers of women who don't uh, have it. But nevertheless, it's one of the risks of having breast implants. So it's something you've got to put into the mix. Uh, weigh it up, pros and cons. It's one of the cons. So it depends what the pros are. If the pros aren't that high, maybe it's not so good. Um, thank you for the information from the people I've spoken to. It seems more psychological. Thank you for the clarification. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the other thing, I guess, is something I think it's one of these questions. Yeah, here we go. Fat girl, got that. The segues on to the next question. Look at that. Next question is, I'm planning on having either breast augmentation or fat transfer to my breasts. And I wonder if I'd need to come off surgery prior to surgery. Oh, well, well, no, you wouldn't need to come off surgery prior to surgery. That's absolutely fine. Um, most of your kind of normal medication when you're having surgery, I mean, always ask the question if you're on medication and check with everybody, you know, the doctor, the anesthetist and what have you. But in general terms, we uh, allow you to have most of your normal medication. Um, the only kind of medications we would be worried about not necessarily even stopping but just worried about are things like um, blood thinners uh warfarin or clopidogrel 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 um things like that that might be something that we'd be a bit worried about aspirin is, is also a blood thinner steroids you know that's something that we'd be worried about in terms of healing uh, <clears throat> but most sort of normal medication is fine and and it's fine to take uh, on the day of surgery um you obviously check with the starving times if they've you know, you usually take some with a sip of water and that's usually fine, but um, but absolutely fine to have surgery. Oh, HRT and uh, hormones are also a problem. HRT and oral contraceptive pills, some people ask you to stop those uh, because of the increased risk of DVT. I don't um, because of the consequences of stopping them, but, um, but I do uh, warn everyone about the risk of DVT and we do everything we can to minimize that risk. Um, oh, but going on to the question of fat transfer or breast uh, augmentation with your question Webster about the breast implant illness that's something you might consider if you are uh, concerned about breast implant illness you could consider fat transfer unfortunately I find in my hands and in my experience fat transfer is not quite as good as we would like it to be on paper it sounds fantastic take some fat out of your stomach and inject it into your breasts no worries long term about you know going hard or wrinkling or um, you know, feeling the edge and all this sort of stuff. If you put on weight, you get bigger. If you lose weight, you get smaller. It sort of grows and with you. There's a lot of good things about fat transfer. Really, there is. And uh, I love, I, I, well, I loved doing it in the past tense because I haven't been doing it for many years. I used to do it all the time in, in my breast reconstruction practice because I was usually operating on one breast. Uh, but when you're operating on two breasts, when you've got to kind of split the fat between two breasts, and when you're operating on breast augmentation patients who are often quite slim and have a lack of donor sites, so they don't have an awful amount of fat to harvest, the results are often quite subtle. And the surgery is quite expensive because it takes quite a long time. And so I don't hardly ever, I would say never, but hardly ever do fat transfer for breast augmentation at the moment because you're looking at probably less than a cup size um you're looking at 80 mils to each breast 100 120 would be a lot you know and that's quite small in terms of volume um you know you could easily do a 250 cc implant and just like that and 
Um, so, so for that reason, the fat transfer often has to be repeated. A lot of people say, oh, it sort of resorbs, so it has to be repeated. Not so much that it resorbs, although indeed it is quite swollen to start with. So it does, you know, start bigger than then 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 go down. But uh, once it takes, it takes, it's there forever. Um, but it is quite subtle, so you often have to repeat it, and it's quite expensive. So it's not quite as common as you might think it uh, should be by rights. But uh, but uh, Webster, that's what you could think of if you are uh, worried about um, breast implant illness. Uh, I got 10 fine lines, simple flower tattoos a couple of weeks ago, and immediately knew I needed them off my body because they're so different to the idea I had in mind. Oh, God. I got laser removal lined up, but because they are pink, blue and greens I don't think it's possible they're all no bigger and some smaller than one by one centimeter I just wondered how long should I leave them to heal before surgical tattoo removal oh god I think I might I might be wrong in saying this but I think I have seen a photo of these and I think they're kind of all all over and there's quite a lot of them so I actually although they're quite small there's so many of them I am unfortunately we're not allowed to show a photo but um I, I I do recall seeing this. It was a little while ago, but because there's so many of them, they're not suitable for excision because I, I can't just make loads of little scars. It'll look like you've been through a windscreen. So it's just not going to look good at all, I'm, I'm afraid. And I completely understand the laser with the pink, blue and greens. Laser's not very good on, on colours, unfortunately. So, um, and just a couple of weeks ago, oh God, terrible, terrible. Um, I feel for you, but I unfortunately don't think excision. This, to be honest with you, it's you know do get irate people when with the tattoo thing, but I, I you know it's not not all tattoos are suitable. In fact, not many tattoos are suitable. It's quite it's certainly the exception rather than the norm for the people who are suitable for tattoo removal. We get several photographs a day of tattoos and. I don't know exactly, but probably more than 90%, 95% of them are not suitable. So it's very rare to get a suitable one. So unfortunately, because there are small tattoos, but there are multiple 10 of them, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a suitable one for, for excision. I'm very sorry to say, very, very sorry to say that. Um, what's this? Please rate this chat. What is this? Um, oh, sorry. I'm looking at a chat thing. Right. Anyway, stick with the program. Stick with the program. Come on. Oh, God, I can't get rid of it now. If, God. Uh, okay, if if my implants... If my implants have to be placed under the muscle, how severe will the pain be following surgery compared to over the muscle? Yeah, I mean, when people talk about recovery after uh, breast augmentation, I usually say the same thing regardless of whether over or under the muscle. So I don't say it takes longer to recover when they're under the muscle. I say the first week you're not feeling like too much, second week you're feeling better, computer stuff, after two weeks lower body, four to six weeks for upper body. Same whether it's over or under the muscle. The difference is it is a bit more uncomfortable when they're under the muscle, no question about it. It is more uncomfortable. But I usually think, again, we need to get into graphs here. We need to do some graphs, yeah. We've got a bell curve. We've got a bell curve for pain over the muscle and pain under the muscle. So under the muscle is less painful. No, under the muscle is more painful than over the muscle. Right, so under the muscle should be here. So under the muscle is more painful than over the muscle, but the bell curves overlap. So some people 
have it on top of the muscle but have a lot of pain and some people have it under the muscle and don't have much pain so it's an overlap so it's, yes it is generally speaking more painful having it under the muscle but there's not a gap between the bell curves yeah the bell curves overlap so it's not like some people you say oh under the muscle is fine you know uh, and you know they, they come and they say oh, i've had it under the muscle and they're, they're, that was fine there's no there's no problems at all other people say look oh, for goodness sake over the muscle is really uncomfortable it's really painful so as generally speaking it is more uncomfortable now i wouldn't be using terms like how severe will the pain be that's quite that's quite inflammatory if you don't want me saying using those terms so i would be saying it's uncomfortable it feels weird it feels tight it feels odd but hopefully pain is not a feature hopefully you won't actually be in pain as such you'll just be uncomfortable and um and it will it you know and, and you'll be like oh crikey i know i know i've had something done you know oof dear oof um but but you know for, for both i mean it does feel a bit uncomfortable for both like even if you have it on top of the muscles it's uncomfortable so it's just a little bit more uncomfortable when you put it under the muscle so um so yeah so gotta be honest big up webster for uh, asking a question live big up adu james for asking the price of li lipoma removal uh admittedly i didn't quite know the answer to that but webster's back in come on if you train at the gym, are you more likely to experience a different pain slash recovery due to having trained the chest muscle for years? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I do see people who have sort of trained the, the chest muscle and, you know, and you do get people with, and, and, and often these are the people who need it under the muscle because they're often quite slim without much subcutaneous fat, which is the sort of person who needs it under the muscle. So, uh, and, and it can be quite thick, the muscle. So it can be quite a lot of muscle to divide, and that's what, that's going to be quite uncomfortable. It's going to bleed a bit more because the muscle can be quite thick. So, you know, paradoxically, yeah, it might it might take a little bit longer to to recover if you have built your muscles up. I'm not saying don't build your muscles up. I'm just saying this is what it is. You know that maybe it'll take a little bit longer to to um, uh, settle if you have it uh, if you have have the uh, muscles. Have you, if you've worked the muscles and, and very made them very strong because they're often quite hard to actually sort of cut through they're quite thick um so that can be a thing terry's in the house hi terry nice to see you hope you're well i really do hope you're well terry i know you've got a lot on um so get an episode of drive to survive in what you got webster would the thickness of the chest muscle affect the way the implant sits sorry for the website can you not see i'm dying for questions here hey terry um uh, would the thickness of the muscle affect the way implants sit i would ask that question say if it all went well no it wouldn't it would all be fine and it wouldn't matter one of the risks of putting the implants underneath the, underneath the muscle is you have to divide the muscle when you divide the muscle up to the the rib cage here and um after sort of like the breast the breastbone and if you define the muscle too much then it can pull back and retract and if you've got a very thick muscle that could give you a prominent bulge in the upper pole so that could affect the way uh, <clears throat> the implants sit uh it's a tricky one because if you don't um re uh, release the muscle enough 
then the muscle can hold the implant up high and you can have a high riding implant, which will look odd. So you have to release the muscle enough, but not too much. But that's the problem with this job, you know, absolute nightmare. When you do something and someone gets a problem, they're like, oh, you should have done it that way. You should have done less. Should have done it less tight or you should have done it more tight. You haven't done it tight enough. Or you've done it too tight. And you're like, well, yeah, I'll, yeah, you got a problem. So I wish I hadn't done it that tight or I wish I'd done it, um, uh, you know, less tight, but um, or more tight. Or, but but um, at the time, you're trying to make it, you're always trying to make it perfect. But there's no kind of thing that tells us what perfect is. And there's always a risk of actually doing too much. And and then that, that the thicker muscle could potentially cause a bulge. But as I say, if you get it right, no, I don't think the thickness of the muscle will uh, cause a difference in the um, the way the implants sit. I think the things that of the chest muscle will um, will just be what it is. It'll just sit on top of the implant, and uh, you know you've already got your chest muscle there, so you just have an implant underneath it. Um, but uh, yeah, very good. You want us to? Yeah, it's a tough job, Webster. Tough job. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, there's enough to worry about. I wouldn't worry about the thickness of your muscle. I think that's you know I would just uh, just try and get the implant that's the right sort of dimensions for you. That's what you need to look at when you look at you know choosing an implant. So I think that cup of tea and feet up are in order. Suggest you do likewise. I will be back here next Tuesday. I think it's not a holiday, is it? We do a holiday. We must be do a holiday soon. Um. King's getting married or something, isn't he, at some point next week or something's happening anyway. Um, but that's on Monday, isn't it? So I will be back almost certainly next Tuesday. Uh, what's on the telly? You know what, Corinne? I'll tell you what's on the telly. Drive to, drive to survive is what we're doing at the moment. Uh, I have been locked out of Antiques Road Trip. The, the girls have been watching um, Making the Cut, but I think they finished that now. So I think we've got a little bit of a respite. But I don't think I'll be, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched the Antiques Roadship for many, many moons. But uh, we are doing a bit of Drive to Survive on Netflix. We are loving it. I think we're episode three, not episode three, series three. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to a bit of that, possibly. If everyone's up for it, I don't know. We've obviously got to all be together. We can't watch it on our own. We've got to, got to get a whole quorum and uh, school night. So uh, making the cut. Yeah, well, I won't ruin it because I just heard who's one. But, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I do enjoy a bit of making the cut, but it's not really my thing. But I do, I do enjoy it. Tan Francis is brilliant. He is brilliant. I've got to be honest. Uh, very impressed with him. Um, right. So I will um, check out of here if that's okay. Jackie, loving your support. Stopping the stream on Facebook. Thanking you. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.